0: We're going to look real quick, got to get there, Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Who accuses them day and night before our God? And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the Word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. The word, the blood of the Lamb, and the word of their testimony overcame this dragon, that's Satan, Satan being cast down. So when we think of testimony, what is a testimony? a testimony. It's not just our stories. It's not about us. In a court of law, like if you were called up to be a witness of something, right? Like a crime is committed, you're a witness. You give a testimony of an action that happened, of something that occurred, right? Are we tracking? Yeah. You give a a testimony of this. Our testimonies aren't about ourselves. What we testify to is the fact of that gospel, the good news that Jesus died and rose from the dead, and now he reigns. That's our testimonies. We all have the same testimony. Baseline. If you know Christ, you have the same testimony. Our stories are a reflection of that testimony. Our stories are a reflection of that testimony. So, without further ado, we have a panel. We keep using the word panel. We have a panel. Y'all three, you want to come up? And we're going to do a little interview of their stories and their testimonies. Y'all give them a hand. Give them a hand. Come on. So what are y'all's names?
1: Okay. Hey, I'm Rachel.
2: I'm Jack Bence. I'm Andrew Korn. This is our panel. All right.
1: (laughs)
0: Uh, so guys, what do you do? Where are you from? How long have you been coming to Christ Covenant? Give us the rundown. Sorry, yeah,
3: you go, just okay, Ladies first. first.
1: All right, perfect. Okay, I'm Rachel. Again, I work for King Hawaiian. Those roles in those orange packages. <laughs> yeah, some great roles. Um, I'm from Alpharetta and live currently in Brookhaven. And then also attended UGA.
3: Where you I'm Jack again, and uh, I am from Cleveland, Ohio. Wow, I was not expecting that. That's my people out there. There we go. Um, I moved down to Alpharetta, where I live and work. I work for Charles Schwab. Oh, the polo. Um, right there. And I moved down here in 2017. I went to school at the University of Wyoming.
1: <laughs>
2: All right, there we go. Andrew, go ahead, man. Yes, my name's Andrew. Uh, I'm from Swanee, Georgia. I currently live in Brookhaven, and I've been coming to Christ Covenant since October of last year. Uh, I work for an organization called Prison Fellowship, which is a prison ministry. I'm a research associate, and I also went to the University of Georgia. bark
0: all right (laughs) so rachel and we'll go down line again how long have you been a believer for each of y'all
1: okay i've been a believer since coming to christ covenant so that was in october of 2021 that i became a believer big time
3: first of all where's the ipad man
0: I don't Shout doodle. out to
3: Thomas. I was ready to draw tonight. Y'all don't want me to do it. Um, so I've always considered myself a believer. I grew up uh, going to church, grew up in a Christian home. Um, great family, great support. Um, but really, in terms of trusting in the Lord and, and, and walking with the Lord, um, just a little bit over a year. And like Rachel, it lined up as I started to come to Christ's covenant in about July, August of last year.
2: Yeah, and for me, it was kind of like you mentioned in the introduction, John. I came to Christ as a young kid, uh, about first grade. Um, but I do think there's a reason that you asked me to speak here, so I'll explain that. In a minute.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: so how did you all come to faith?
1: Okay, so basically, like Jack here, I grew up or thinking that I was a Christian since I was really young. And I was, like, you know, doing all the right things, attended North Point, all that kind of stuff, and Alpharetta. Um, And, but kind of was just, like, not really always confident in it. And I remember, like, always seeing people, like, really on fire for the Lord and thought they were just, like, so weird because I was, like, how are they having this much fun, like, enjoying things, doing, like, doing stuff at church all the time, like, with all their church friends? I was like, there's so many more fun things to do. What are they doing? Um, So, basically, I started attending this small group as I came to Christ's covenant led by Kate Clark. So, she's the OG. And, um, yeah, we did this study on Galatians, and it was talking about not by works and a lot of what I thought previously was that I had to have like a strong enough faith in order for God to love me. And if I could just like muster up enough faith, God would accept me, he would approve of me. And reading Galatians, I was like, whoa, this is not the case. Like I believed the wrong gospel the whole, my whole life. Um, I thought it was by works in some sense and just thought like people were like, oh, you have such a strong faith. So I thought that attributed to it in some way. Um, so yeah, was convicted in like a a coffee shop in Brookhaven, which is kind of funny. And, uh, just remember like feeling so free after that. And then, yeah, just kept attending small group, kept attending Christ's covenant. And here we are.
0: So you thought you were a believer growing up. Yes. And then that shifted. Yeah. uh,
1: Based off that Galatians study, when I realized like, it's not about works, it's about like really recognizing how broken we are, how we just are so undeserving of it, but it's by God's grace that we're able to have this gift of Jesus. And so it was just made so much more clear to me in that coffee shop, and I just remember leaving, like, oh, my gosh, I've just discovered this amazing thing. Like, this is awesome. Um, And didn't really think I became a believer in that moment, but then six months later, I was like, wait, I think I just became a believer. Um... This is crazy.
0: So, yeah. Praise God. That's awesome. All right.
3: Come on. Let's go. Jack. Yeah, so I don't have a, a road to Damascus story, right? Um, I, I've, for, for me, it's, it's, I'd say, kind of similar to Rachel in the sense that um, I, I thought I was a believer. Um, I certainly knew Christianity 101. Um, I knew probably the answers to some of the questions and, and had head knowledge, but what I truly, you know, what I knew in my head, I didn't truly believe in my heart. And just running through the, the rat race of life, right? Going through, uh, through college, um, you know, playing a sport and that being my identity, um, going into the, the real world, right? Working and that then becoming my identity. And just nothing ever was satisfying. And even by thinking that, you know, I, I kind of had the answers or that what I was doing was, you know, I wasn't partaking in maybe the extracurriculars as some of my, my peers and thinking that I'm, you know, a good person and a nice person and, um, you know, that, that that'll get me through. Um, like Rachel just said, that's, that's not the gospel. And so really just this this coming to the end of yourself is how I would describe it where I I just my eyes were gradually getting opened and coming to Christ's covenant sitting under faithful preaching um, convicting preaching and you know getting myself under the command of the scriptures and reading that the Lord has always been calling to me I just stopped resisting him in short, so I think we'll probably expound on that a little bit. But Andrew, if you want to add, Jet, you kind of when we talked earlier, you, you talked a little bit about like
0: basketball, playing basketball in college, and then like going to Charles Schwab and financial consulting, and that like being almost an idol of a sense. Do you feel like that was almost your god prior in, in some instances?
3: Absolutely. No, thank you for for pointing that out. That's um, you know. It, I think that as, as right, true believers, if we're walking with the Lord, it, it's, it's where your heart is set. And my heart was set on basketball all the way through college. I mean, that was my whole life. That's all I cared about. That's all I, you know, I, everything would stem from that, right? Um, and then I didn't make it to the NBA. Um, I figured I got to go get a real job. And so... Then work became my my sense of sense of purpose, right? That's somewhere I can make a name for myself. That's where I can really, um, you know, uh, kind of climb the corporate ladder. And this idea of just living for yourself. And, you know, I was always ignoring that, that longing that we all have. I shared in my testimony at my baptism, it's that relentless restlessness. And I don't know if you all can relate to that, but I think we all have that, right? That anxiety, that angst, um, that, you know, you just start trying to push that down and I've tried to suppress that. Where, it's like, what is that thing in your, in your stomach that just doesn't go away, right? That doesn't, and so I think when you just, you just get to that, that point of exhaustion where you go, what's, what's the purpose of this all? You know, it's like that existential question. I brought this up in my Bible study the other day and everyone kind of laughed, but it's so true. It's like, what is the purpose of life? I mean, if you ask that to someone, they just immediately go blank, right? No one has a clear kind of purpose. And um, it's not until the Holy Spirit has convicted me that, you know, we were created for God. Um, God doesn't owe me anything. Um, I deserve death because of my sin. And because of that, I owe my whole heart to him, not just... You know, on a Monday or a Tuesday or on a Sunday morning. Um, so, absolutely, I was living for for other things, and um, praise God that you know the Lord has convinced convicted me, and my life is His.
0: <laughs> Andrew, same question.
2: Yeah. Well, by God's grace, I truly cannot remember a time in my life where I haven't had the gospel preached and modeled by the fruits of the the gospel modeled by people in my life. I appreciate that. Um, And I say by God's grace because truly by God's grace and his kindness because as I've grown up and met other people and just seen the brokenness in this world, I realize that that is not very common. And it's probably something I took for granted growing up. But uh, at a young age, just understood as my worldview was formed uh, by the people in my life who were sharing the gospel with me that we're born into brokenness, that there's no way we can be saved apart from the blood of Jesus and that his, the work of the cross is sufficient and that we're called to live for him. Uh, so I was saved after an event at church, had talked with my parents about the gospel and salvation and there was a uh, the children's ministry event, the preacher um, shared the gospel and called people to respond and felt that conviction and of my own accord and, uh, talked through it with my parents and with my pastor and uh, got baptized. So. Even though I was young, I uh, certainly um, have grown in knowledge and understanding and uh, obedience in the gospel since, and I have much more to learn and grow, but understood those foundational truths and, uh, and certainly strayed from those. But as we sang on Sunday, like, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the one I love. I uh, just trust not the Lord would take my heart and seal it um, by his work and not mine. So we're
0: primarily talking about wanting to talk about, like, the Lord's work and people who are adults, right, who, who didn't necessarily get raised up in the church, yet you're on this panel. Why are you on this panel,
2: Andrew? Yeah, so I've been very fortunate to work in two different communities, uh, just being able to witness and see adults come to faith, which is an incredible blessing. First, as I mentioned, I work for a prison ministry, and I've done that for about three and a half years, uh, part-time during school, and now I'm board, on board full-time. Um, but just being able to work with wardens and work with people in prison and see people come to faith has been an incredible blessing. I do a lot of work behind the scenes, but have had the opportunity to be in the field and hear personal testimonies um, which has been which has been incredible. And I also volunteered in an addiction recovery center uh, over near the University of Georgia called the Potter's house, which the name comes from Jeremiah 18, God reworking broken clay and molding it into a vessel uh, which he compares to Israel, which has a lot of gospel symbolism. So, I teach a class there called The Reality of the Bible, which is really an eight-week class on gospel foundations. And so I've really been able to work through uh, people's fears, their pride, what they're struggling with as they are presented with the gospel and respond to it. And so my goal here tonight really is to take the wisdom and insight from the stories and experiences of the men and women I've been able to interact with and hopefully share those in a way that's clear and compelling and accurately represents their experiences as they come to faith. Uh, Why would you get into that?
0: Why would you get into that ministry?
2: Yeah, so although I was saved as a youngster, um, the Lord definitely, definitely learned a lot about obedience and about trials and about suffering shortly after. So there's kind of two intersecting threads here that I feel like the Lord led me toward prison ministry. Uh, The first one being, when I was also young, was uh, on the other side of crime, was a victim of physical and sexual abuse, and the man who abused me is now serving a life sentence in prison. Uh, So I grew up with this bitterness, this anger, this, you know, how could this happen to me? How could someone do this? Kind of reeling from the effects of that, uh, and kind of stuffed that down inside, and I would say covered that up in pride of how I appeared to others. I wanted other people to look at me and see someone who had it all together and not see this inner bitterness and shame and guilt. So worked through that, walked through that, I would say all the way until college, I feel like the Lord really freed me through that. The second thing is volunteering at the Potter's House. So as a freshman at Georgia, I set a goal for myself to serve in a capacity outside of my comfort zone and began volunteering uh, at the Addiction Recovery Center. And while there, I met a lot of men who had been in and out of prison. And my mental mold of what a prisoner looked like, what someone who's been to prison looks like, began to really change of Like, they just made a mistake, but a lot of these men have repented, turned toward the Lord, and they're walking in freedom. Uh, so at the same time, I was with a mentor who shared with me, if the man who abused you comes to know Christ, uh, he's probably gonna deal with a lot of guilt and shame. It's, it was one of those few moments in my life where it was kind of like a light bulb of, man, the gospel is for everyone, right? Not for us people I agree with and get along with well. The gospel is for people who offend you, right? The same way that we have offended God, he has forgiven us freely and we're called to forgive others and pray for their salvation. And so since that moment, I felt led toward prison ministry and the Lord has really opened some doors to have the opportunity to do that. Um, And just extremely thankful to be doing that now.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I just think it's a testimony of how the the grace of the gospel is unlike any other. i mean just straight up. Um, so, so with that, uh, you're you're working with these prisoners, right? You've had, you've had this reconciliation, this forgiveness is hard, right? And, and this hard forgiveness over time. But now you're working with men in this position now. Um, and we see that, that fear and coming to the Lord, we, we all deal with this sense of fear. Like before we give our lives to Christ, there, there are some things that are scary about that. Um, and so what might be some fears that you see within the lives of some of the prisoners, uh, that are coming to faith as you're ministering to them? And then Jack and Rachel, what are some fears that y'all have had or had prior to submitting your life to Christ?
2: Yeah, so the unique part about doing ministry in prison and with people facing addiction is that the reality that we live in a broken world is fairly evident. Uh, I feel like when you're on the street talking to someone, they might be like, I don't have a need for God, right? You know, I can do it all on my own. Whereas the consequences of sin are very evident um, in prison just because of the brokenness uh, and shame that people face. So I actually, in class on Friday, was asking the guys this question, you know, what are some fears you face um, as you've come to know and trust in Jesus? And it kind of center, circled uh, around five fears, uh, first being fear of rejection by others, that when you turn to God, right, you're called to repent, change allegiance from sin toward righteousness. And the friends that you're hanging with oftentimes, uh, you know, before your life in Christ, aren't walking in righteousness. And so your face you go back to old temptations, and the truth to that, I would say, is it's an incredible opportunity to share the gospel, right? To say, hey, you know, look what I've realized. That God saved me and share the message with them. But also there might be a need to set healthy boundaries if people don't respond to that and, you know, walk with the wise and become wise, but walk with fools uh, and suffer harm, as the proverb says. So second one, and I would say this one uh, kind of breaks my heart the most, but also really fires me up to drive home the truth of scripture is people having the fear of being rejected by God. Uh, man, I'm too far gone. If you've only known what I've done and just encouraging with the truth of, hey, really to say that is to say that the blood on the cross was not enough. <laughs> to say that Jesus wasn't strong. If he wasn't the sacrifice, that could pay for your sin. And just encouraging with the truth that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and that's incredible. That we've been washed white as snow. And so just affirm them with that truth that even though while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, the third one is the fear of change. So the fear of change. Man, sin is fun, to be honest with you. Sin is fun, is what guys will tell me. And I'm scared I can't live without it. And I'll just put this one in the words of C.S. Lewis. I think he explains it really well. He says, it seems to the Lord that our desires are not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition, while we are offered infinite joy. Uh, like a kid who's playing in the slum making mud pies because he does not understand uh, what a what is meant to be at a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased, and so just encouraging people with the truth that sin is fleeting, it's cheap, and it's temporary. But there is a joy, a treasure that is infinite, eternal, and all satisfying. Uh, the fir- fourth one is fear of letting other people and letting God down. A lot of guys said, "You know, this is great. This this good news is really great." And intellectually, I believe it. I'm just scared I'll let people at church down. And so it's encouraging with the truth, even though we've been freed from the power of sin, we're still in a world where there's the presence of sin, and we offer grace and forgiveness towards one another while encouraging them and holding them accountable. So just encouraging with that gospel truth, right? The church is a community of believers, fellow sinners who spur one another on. And the last one, um, briefly, is the fear of where the Lord may call, right? If you truly understand this gospel call, you understand, I'm not the Lord of my life, and I do not call the shots. And the truth to that, I would just circle back around and reemphasize Thomas's sermons over the past few weeks uh, to focus on the one who calls rather than the calling.
0: Good.
2: Jack.
3: You broke that down pretty well. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. So, it's like a class. What Andrew said. Um, <laughs> I, just to maybe add on to one of the last points you made, which was, again, phenomenal. Um, and What just, was it for you? I, the fear of not being in control, I would say, right? I mean, I, I grew up to not, you know, I, I had no problem saying no to strangers and no to peer pressure. I, that part I was strong in, but that pride then comes in and the fear of not being in control of your life. You know, I think that, especially as, as as men here, that when we're in that, that working world now, and, and especially with sports too, where you think that my input is gonna definitely, you know, what I put into a sport, what I put into my job, I expect to see results from that. And I expect to see growth from that. And I expect to, you know, there, there's expectation there that I'm in control of my own destiny. And, you know, what does Thomas preach when we first started out in Matthew? Jesus offers the upside-down kingdom, right? That you know, by trusting in Him and submitting to Him fully, you're not actually giving up. You're actually getting the most freedom that you will ever, ever will have. And freedom in Christ is clarity. I mean, there's clarity and there's purpose. Then instead of that constant gray area of, well, I, I really want to submit to the Lord, but I got a big client meeting tomorrow or you know I can't miss a practice or I mean there's just it's where your heart is set and that that fear of giving up control and not being the self-made man type of um, personality is is I think something that is, is is tough especially as we're trying to establish ourselves um, and and grow Rachel.
1: Yeah, you guys really killed it. So, um, What about for you? Yes, for me personally, it was also Andrew's super impressive memory of the C.S. Lewis quote. I was like, Thank you. So <laughs> long. I was like, dang. Um, but for me, it was really, I had told all these people all my life that I was a Christian, and then I become a Christian, coming to Christ's covenant in this new community. What was it going to be like? What would these people think of me? Like I lived this life that kind of felt like, a lie like an imposter and I was like the fear of what people think of me I guess dominated most of my life prior and a little bit afterwards um but now all these people know so it's great like you guys all now know so <laughs> here we are
0: yeah. um and then like as we were running through your story the other day like what one thing that stood out and this is everyone we all want to be our own gods outside of God. And and so one thing that you kind of brought to light is like this pride that was holding you down. I'll ask you and Jack, what, what were the prideful things in your life that were preventing you from coming to know Christ and that had to be broken through before coming to him?
1: Yeah. I honestly would say my story of becoming a believer is really laying down a bunch of pride more than anything um, I think a lot of it was centered around self-righteousness and the sense of, I thought, like, oh, I was a good enough person in these areas. Like, I've been affirmed by my friends that I can do these things well, but, like, I didn't feel like I needed God. Like, he was, like, my little pocket God, you know? Like, you pull him out whenever it feels convenient. Um, and I think, too, it was... Self-centeredness, self-righteousness, and all the senses that, like, why would God be better than my sin? Like, I had to convince myself that the joys that I was joys in my sin wouldn't be better than God. Um, So, or yeah, would be better than God. So, yeah, I feel like that was the overarching since I don't know if I had one more thing that I wanted to say on that
0: I think, I think one thing you also touched on was like wanting like to be someone who knew stuff right so coming to phase. oh
1: yeah that's a big part yeah. I forgot about that one yeah. um <laughs> I was like okay wait this is actually important here <laughs> but okay so yeah I I wanted to be someone who was like seen as pretty philosophical, intellectual. I would, like, followed philosophical quotes on Instagram and would just, like, sit and ponder them. And then I'd go on Pinterest and, like, pin a quote quote that was, like, let go and let God. Like, I was, like, let's, this is great. Um, And I'd sit and I would ponder it. I have some notes on it. And then I'd come up with these existential questions of, like, why did God create time, or like all these things? And I would sit there and think about them for so long, and then some of my friends, I'd come in like, I just thought it's a super awesome question. You guys gotta listen. Um, so anyways, I was, I was really involved in just trying to think really intellectually, um, but I like didn't know anything about the Bible. Like, a funny thing is I realized, like, I thought Sodom and Gomorrah were two people. Like, a husband and a wife. And so when I came to Christ's
0: covenant... (laughs) They're cities.
1: (laughs) They're cities. So, Thomas was talking about, like, Sodom and Gomorrah. And he was like, oh, these cities. And I was like, okay, so I need to go back and read and meditate on the Bible. Um, So that was pretty humbling. And... Yeah, I think that was a lot of my reasoning was just trying to, like, boost my ego, boost my intellect, but never actually submit myself to God's word and what he would say.
0: Yeah, I I think, too, on, like, the other kind of with that specific instance, like, one of the fears you can have is, like, there's so much in this Bible. If I, I like, have to read all this stuff, like, I, I don't know enough, right? I don't know enough. But that's the beautiful thing of someone coming to faith as a child is God calls us to a childlike faith. Like you don't have to know everything. You need to have the gospel. Like come before the Lord and turn from your sin and walk towards Him. And that's like just a great example of that. Yeah. Now, Jack, what are some some things of pride that you had to lay down?
3: I would say a big prideful thing that I'd held on to was that this is something that I can, my faith and my walk with the Lord can be something for down the road, right? That I can kick the can down the road and address later in life. Um, That, you know, so long as I'm on kind of a good path with, with work and with life and I'm not messing up that once I get established, once I get um, to a certain place, job-wise, once I get to a certain place, you know, personal-wise, you know, once I get married, once I have— that's when I'll take Jesus seriously. I mean, I wasn't thinking about it during the moment, right, or in that type of way at the time, but in in reflection, that's absolutely what I was thinking about. And so it's, I think, something we would all struggle with, which is, okay, we're in our mid-20s, 30s—I'm 30— um, you know you guys are in your 20s right that's awesome and if you've been walking with the Lord since you're since you're nine <laughs> and if you've been walking with the Lord since you're nine like that, that's not to say it. that that is awesome like John mentioned I'm so glad that you you said that is amazing and um, I, I think that there's there's an urgency there and if we're continuing to push that away and say you know what I'll I'll give my life to Christ later the older that you get, right? The older you get, if you just continue to hear and not respond, your heart will get hardened. That's good. Um, that's very good.
0: What? Very good. I got, I got two, two questioner for for all three of y'all, and then uh, we're gonna start to close out and have the band come up. But what advice? would you give to someone who's on the fence of coming to faith in Christ right now? And then if you had any closing thoughts for people who are out in this auditorium, what would you leave them with?
1: Shall I start? Rachel, you start. (laughs) Go down the line. Go one more down the line. Um, Okay, so my advice for people on the fence First, I would say, if it's you in this room who's on the fence, I get it because that's where I was. Um, I get how the desires and pleasures of sin seem so great. Like, how can God and what people do and the Bible be any better? Um, And I'd say it really is. Like, my testimony, I wouldn't be sitting up on this stage talking about these things if I didn't think that this life was better um, than the sin that I was in before. And also, I would say, like, if you know a really strong Christian friend or mentor or someone like that, um, is ask them to read the Word with you because there's nothing more transforming than God's Word. Like, books are great, podcasts are great, articles are great but those are written by humans and we can't change each other's hearts. Um, only God can. So, and also be comfortable with wrestling with other people and wrestling with God. I think Kate Clark was always <laughs> always there and I'd call her and be like, Kate, so I have another question. Um, and we'd sit there and we'd chat. Um, but yeah, be comfortable with wrestling with people through the things that make you uncomfortable in the church.
3: I would say Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we might wanna end with Rachel because I just don't, uh, to me, there, there's, there's really no fence, okay? If you're, if you're either being drawn to Christ or you're drifting from him, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so I just urge you all to not, to not waste time. That would that's, that's, be my message here. And I love what Rachel said is that I get it and I've been there. And so seek first, you know, a, a Christian believer that, that you're friends with and um, talk to someone. I love that Christ Covenant has the outlet of, of text of pastor line. Jason and um, and Thomas are always inviting you to come talk to them after service. I mean, that's, that seems rare to me. I, was, I mean, they, pastors seemed untouchable, you know, where I grew up and stuff. And so um, there are a lot of great believers in this room, and this is unique. This is a unique Thing. On Tuesday night, we've got a bunch of people here um, that are striving after the same thing. I think, and so I would say that um, there's an urgency, there's a call. What was the final part of the question? I'm preaching now. Sorry. Closing thoughts. I'm about to never get asked to come back here. Uh, <laughs> last thought. Last thought. I love what Jason said on at um, the service at 11 a.m. You know about maybe if you're if you're fearful of. Of either sharing the gospel with someone or maybe if you are on the fence is he said this right after uh, Cole Dotson's baptism and he said um, you know God isn't saving a bunch of bench players right he's saving people that are to, to be used for his kingdom and um, gosh that's, that's just so true and I just urge you all to to not waste time um, What is the first thing that Jesus said in the book of Mark? His first recorded words, at least, in the book of Mark um, and his public ministry is, the time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And so, there you go. That's my story. God
0: saves us to his lordship. He becomes our Lord when we turn to him. And that's your story. That's your story. You thought you were a believer for X amount of years, and now Jesus is your Lord, and there's joy in that.
2: Amen. Is this like the last question, last question? All right, I just want to use my words wisely. Um, people on the fence, I would just encourage you to, when turning toward Christ, don't base any decision on false hopes, based on people who let you down, but based on the word of God and the word of of God alone in his spirit leading you toward him. Uh, I think when people turn to Christ in terms a lot of attention and affirmation, even good biblical affirmation, if that's the fuel for their faith, that can be dangerous because that attention and affirmation is going to fade. So let the fuel for your faith be who God is, what your identity is in Christ, and what he's called you to. Uh, and other things, closing thoughts, uh, in terms of sharing the gospel, my prayer is always, Lord, I pray that I would share the gospel clearly, compellingly, and truthfully, clearly in ways that people can understand. It's the simple message of the gospel. Compelling, like, I want to be excited about this. This is the best news, news ever. Better than any sporting event, better than any event here on this earth or interest. Like, this should fire us up and make us ready to go. Like, we should be fired up about this. Um, and truthfully, I never want to water down the gospel for the sake of approval. And then, like, 20 seconds. Uh, final closing thought for me. Um, very short quote. But Abraham Lincoln said, if I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first four hours uh, sharpening my axe. And I not think that's a quote about evangelism, but it's a quote about preparation. So my question to you is, how are you sharpening your gospel axe? You don't want to go in guns a-blazing with a dull axe, just swinging at a tree. All right, so sharpen your gospel axe, one, by knowing the gospel well. We never outgrow our need to hear, to sit under the word and hear the gospel. Know it well, meditate on it, let it soak into your heart, because it's true. Uh, Second, with people, ask good, pointed questions that make them realize their brokenness, the uniqueness of humanity, the need for a Savior. So ask good, pointed questions. Um, Build genuine relationships, as Dr. Truman said last week, right? In order to address these tough cultural issues um, and to share the gospel, it oftentimes is best in the context of genuine relationship or demonstrating love for our neighbors. And then lastly, most importantly, never go at it alone. Right? If you try to rely on your intellect or your conversational skills, that is in vain. If you do that alone, rely on the Holy Spirit His guidance, um, prayer, and know that some plant, some water, but only God gives the growth. Um, neither you plants nor your waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. You and I plant and sow gospel seeds. that is our responsibility. but our confidence in, in peace comes from that we is that we do not have the capacity to save other people, only the Lord and his sovereignty. So take peace in that. Thank you. yeah. Man,
0: when we think of what God has done through sending His Son, God is offering the most radical forgiveness that you could possibly receive, to where you can forgive, like. Like, who am I not to forgive? Who am I not to go share this good news with someone who doesn't have it? Like, that's what these stories are saying. Like, and if you, if you think, you know, if you guys right now, and band can come up, um, like, if, if you don't know where you stand, if you're not a believer... If you have people in your life who are not believers, who you want to share the gospel with, guys, I would urge you, share this good news because there is life to be had. It's eternal life. It's like life everlasting with our Lord. Like forever. The sweetest thing in the world. So we are going to have a prayer team in the back. um, And we're just going to take... A quick minute to pray by ourselves, maybe for someone else, maybe to the Lord. Just take it by yourselves, and then I'm going to close us in prayer, and we're going to worship. So just bow your heads, and we're going to sit for a sec.